0: And on this week's show we talk about the Cameroon national team as big names Clarence Seedorf and Patrick Kluivert have been appointed coaches of the Indomitable Lions. We have a special report from Cameroon where we hear from Seedorf. We're very happy to be part of this beautiful country's dream to work on the football development and work on the first team's goals. But not all fans are in favour of the move.
1: There were great players uh, in Europe, but it doesn't mean being a good player means you are going
2: to be a good coach.
0: Also, lots to talk about in the English Premier League, and we find out about
2: an Africa-born manager. Wolves manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, which incidentally means Holy Spirit, uh, was born in Samtawe, Principe. He was a goalkeeper. He played club football in Spain, Portugal and Russia. That's coming up later. But first, Africa's campaign at the FIFA
0: Under-20 Women's World Cup in France came to an end on Thursday, with Nigeria going out at the quarter-final stage as they lost 2-1 to Spain. Nigeria had squeezed into the quarter-finals with a 1-1 draw against China, with a late equaliser, in fact an own goal it was, in a game where they had to draw at least, uh, that own goal coming in the very last minute. Ghana went out at the group stage. Uh, overall, a bit disappointing, this under-20 Women's World Cup, as Nigeria were runners-up in 2010 and in 2014, uh, this time going out at the quarterfinal stage. This follows on from a disappointing World Cup in Russia for Africa. Other news, the latest FIFA World Rankings see Senegal and Tunisia, the joint highest African nations now. It's a new ranking system that's been introduced with the aim of making it more fair. Uh, Previously, you gained points for wins and draws, but you didn't have points deducted for losses. Uh, Now you get points for wins and for draws against higher-ranked opponents, but you lose points for defeats and if you draw against a lower-ranked nation. So Tunisia dropped three places to 24 in the world after one win and two defeats at the World Cup in Russia. Egypt are the biggest losers globally, going down 20 places to number 65 after losing all three games at the World Cup. They're now ranked number 11 on the continent. And Morocco, who had a draw and two defeats in Russia, dropped down five places to 46 in the world. This on the new FIFA World Rankings. Well, other big news in African football is that it looks like Cameroon will not lose the right to host the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations. The Confederation of African Football's first vice president, Amadou Pinnick, who's the chairman of the Nations Cup organising committee, was recently in Cameroon for the latest fact-finding visit. And on Monday, Pinnick said that the CAF president, Ahmed, has given a lot of reassurance and that nobody's going to take the tournament away from Cameroon. There have been concerns about Cameroon's preparations for the past year and a feeling that Morocco was on standby and ready to take over if required. We've given you a couple of reports here on Planet Sport Football Africa this year from Cameroon where you heard about the progress with the construction of stadiums. Well, we stay in Cameroon for our main focus on the show this week. And as part of preparations for next year's Nations Cup, Cameroon have a new coach, Clarence Sidoff, who signed a four-year deal to take over as manager, assisted by former Netherlands national team teammate Patrick Kluivert. Sidoff is a former Real Madrid, AC Milan and Netherlands midfielder. He takes over from Hugo Bruce, the Belgian who led Cameroon to Nations Cup success last year. Sidoff is 42. He's previously managed AC Milan, Chinese club Shenzhen and Deportivo La Coruña, but he lasted less than six months in all three of those jobs. From Yaoundé, and Eno Ebai sent us this report. It's going to take some time before it
3: stops feeling weird to say that Clarence Sidoff, one of the world's most respected footballers, is now the coach of Cameroon's senior men's national football team. The Real of Madrid, and AC Milan legend, penned a four-year deal alongside countryman Patrick Kluivert to take up functions as the Indomitable Lions' new gaffer. Sidov will be assisted by Kluivert himself a prolific goal scorer in his glorious days. After dealing with Cameroon's Football Federation, the 42-year-old Sidov, who will be on his first international coaching job, expressed his desire to start working immediately. We finalised a lot of details because we want to start properly. We're very happy to be part of this beautiful country's dream to work on the football development and work on the first team's goals in the next tournament that we have next year. We are both very honoured to be here and to start this journey. From our side, be ready because we're going to start working as of now. The double appointments have left many Cameroonian football fans in a delirium of joy. They have been relishing the opportunity to see Seedorf and Kluvert lead their team to a Sith continental domination at the 2019 Afghan. Prior to the Seedorf deal, Fekafut had entered negotiations with Sven Goran Eriksson and Eriksson had flew into the country to finalize his deal until talks stalled. To a group of optimistic fans, the deal is considered exceptional with some hinting that Sidov is the perfect match for the Indomitable Lions.
1: Sidov, I think he's a very good coach. He's the right decision for Cameroonians because if you take a look at his his profile, he started football at a very young age and he has worked with so many um, football clubs and teams so I think he has he has that diversity that Cameroonians need.
3: I totally disagree with pundits. who uh, opine that Sidov and Kluivert aren't good enough as coaches for the national team. Both of them come in with lots of steam to achieve something internationally. We shouldn't be quick in forgetting that Sidov coached to one of the top European squads AC Milan and then Clivet, on the other hand was part of the Dutch team's coaching staff at the Brazil expedition both of them are good for the goal. However not all fans have been very impressed with Sidov's arrival at the helm of the seven-time World Cup participants. Some have castigated the country's ruling football body Fekafoot for once again undermining local coaches while a couple have questioned the coaching achievements of Sidov and Kluvert that could have gotten them the job, others have made it clear that the Dutch duo aren't the ilk of persons that can manage the indomitable Lions, with some citing failed stints for Sidov at AC Milan, FC Shenzhen, and Deportivo La Coronia
1: we're we are able to coach our own national team. And we have so many people that they are qualified to coach Cameroon national team. As first, we have somebody like Patrick Boma. Boma is able to coach Cameroon national team. Then why? They prefer to go ahead and spend a lot of money. Meanwhile, they know the game that they're playing inside. So look like let Stephen Kitchy He came from nowhere to somewhere. And that is what we need to do. We need to give our people the opportunity. We should not keep on consuming foreign products. The appointment of Clarence Sidoff and Patrick Clivet as head coaches of the Cameroon It's a big gamble by the Cameroonian FA because their inexperience not only gives them a huge task to be able to build a team that can be competitive at the highest level with the top teams of the world. But they also need to mend the relationship between the Cameroonian FA and players like Joel Matip and Alexandre Song who have been away from the Lions Den for quite a while
4: now. They have never had an experience coaching a national football team. We know Clarence Sidoff has coached most of the clubs and he has never won a silverware. Uh, many people want to compare the two young coaches to Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola has never had a stint with a national football team. He is so perfect in clubs. But these two coaches Even at the club level, they have never had a very perfect one. So that
1: is where I have a big problem. I was expecting a local coach to be selected. At least uh, it will boost the morale. But their coming in is really making me to be very skeptical about the future of our team. It is true that uh, there were great players uh, in Europe, but it doesn't mean being a good player means you are going to be a good coach. I really foresee a lot of difficulties ahead. His first outing next month in September will definitely tell us who Sidov is. They really need to work extremely hard.
4: Uh, They don't have the experience that's required to coach a national team that's been as successful as the Cameroon national team in the past. And Clarence Sidov never actually really did well in the past. The managerial jobs he had at AC Milan and in Spain, they have not done well to, to actually get me too excited.
3: The Dutch pair have an arduous task ahead. Top on their to-do list will be winning the 2019 Afghan, qualifying Cameroon for the 2021 edition in Ivory Coast, and punching the Indomitable Lions ticket for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. For the Sidov-led band to succeed, there are several things to take into consideration.
1: Their role of being the coach will be interfered in the national team and that is where our problem has always been as far as uh, the national selection is concerned. We really needed somebody that is really firm. If Sidov wants to succeed, he really needs to stamp his feet down and say, I am the boss of the national team. I am the one to implement whatever is happening. I think you will not do anything when he listen to Cameroon. When he doesn't listen to Cameroon, he will do a better job. He will do his own and they will succeed. With
3: football almost a religion in Cameroon, victories attract praises, while defeats come with castigation. If Sidorf and Kluvert want to endear themselves to the hearts of Cameroonians, only wins and trophies will make them fan favourites. Well,
0: that's Njie Eno with that special reporter from Yaoundé in Cameroon. So, Solomon, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Clarence Seedorf, a good move for Cameroon? Yeah,
4: I definitely think it's a good move for Seedorf and Kluveret. I feel that this is something different for the Cameroon Football Federation. They're trying something different, Uh, not just younger coaches, but coaches who are a bit inexperienced and have so much to prove. And remember, they're bringing in two great former players who have played at top level. And I definitely feel like Patrick Clovert has more coaching experience. He's coached the Ajax on the 19. You know, he was assistant coach when the Netherlands got to a uh, third place finish in Brazil 2014 World Cup. You know, all that is going to count because they're going to be dealing with a lot of players who are playing overseas. So I definitely feel uh, that is definitely a good move.
0: So we'll see how all of that works out. Uh, and Solomon, some fans in that report were saying that local coaches need to be given a chance.
4: Yeah, the local coaches, you know, do get a raw deal. You know, if not for the case of the health of Rigobert Song, who was the, the, the coach of the home base Chan national team for Cameroon. Uh, yeah, local coaches need to be given a chance, especially in Cameroon. Uh, you know they produce great players. They played the top football. Uh, played in Europe. Played at the World Cup. So much experiences. You would you would have think pe- play people like them, Patrick Mboma, Makanaki or the Big Brothers, uh, and other ex internationals would have gotten the opportunity by now. But but that's not it, you know. Cameroon, unlike other countries like Nigeria, where we saw former football players getting and local coaches getting opportunities, uh, South Africa, where we saw local coaches getting opportunities, Senegal, where we saw local coaches getting opportunities and going to the World Cup or qualifying their nations to the World Cup. Uh, but but this is different in in, in Cameroon. And I think Cameroon as a country needs to get to that place where do we need to invest now on in local coaches just so, you know, in five years time, in three years time. We would appoint a local coach that is not just going to be on temporary basis, but a local coach that's going to be there for a long time, and we give him the support to go there.
0: Well, thanks, Solomon. Yeah, that's a big talking point, that. Uh, and that's our question on Facebook and on WhatsApp this week. Should Cameroon have gone for a local coach? It's a high profile appointment, uh, the Dutchman, Clarence Sidoff. But others saying there that it's time for local coaches to be given their chance. So tell us what you think. Uh, did Cameroon make the right decision there with Clarence Sidoff, or should they have gone for a local coach? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app, and also you can access past programmes in our archive. You can listen on our website too, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. And now we turn to social media. Last Thursday was deadline day in the English Premier League, with Everton signing Colombian international Yeri Mina in a big deal. Earlier in the transfer window, Liverpool signed Brazil goalkeeper Alisson from Roma. Chelsea then broke that record fee for a goalkeeper, signing Kepa Aretha Balaga from Atletico Bilbao. Several other key transfers too. So last week we asked, which do you think was the best signing in this window? On Facebook first, Usman the special one in The Gambia says, I think Kepper is a good signing for Chelsea, but I'll go for Man United's new midfielder Fred, says Usman. And Moses Al Hakim, also in The Gambia, agrees. Uh, Moses is a Man United fan. On WhatsApp, Noah Zuberu Jr. in Nigeria says, Alisson at Liverpool is the best signing. He's a very nice goalkeeper. Alpha Jallo in the Gambia and Henry Wallison in Malawi also agree. Gemmo is a Cameroonian living in the United States and Gemmo says, I think Liverpool's signing of Allison was the best, not just because they needed to upgrade in that position, but also because he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world right now, in my opinion. He's good with the ball at his feet and is a fantastic stopper, says Gemmo. And Alisson also gets the nod from Henry Kiakua in Uganda. Liverpool had the problem of goalkeeping before, so signing Alisson is good, says Henry. In Malawi, Francisco Dodoma says, I believe both Alisson and Kepa at Chelsea are good signings, but I think Alisson has more to offer based on his records and how he performed during the World Cup and with Roma in the Champions League. I expect good goalkeeping from him at Liverpool, says Francisco. But to Yusufa Silla in the Gambia says to me Chelsea's new signing Kepper is the best. He's a good goalkeeper, very tall and flexible. And Chelsea fan Richard in Nigeria agrees, as does Lamine Governor Sonko in the Gambia, saying Kepper was the best signing without a doubt. He's young and with only little experience, but he'll be a revelation in the English Premier League this season and for many seasons to come, says Lamine. But Alhaji Saidi Khan in the Gambia sounds a note of caution. Set pieces might be the problem for Kepper at Chelsea, as was the case for De Gea when he started at Man United. This is due to the English way of football, says Alhaji, by playing long balls and set pieces coming at any time, unlike in La Liga, where you see more of the beautiful football. But I still tip Kepper among the top signings, along with Jorginho at Chelsea and Everton's Yeri Mina, says Alhaji. We always welcome your voice notes on WhatsApp, and from the Gambia, here's Modu Njie.
1: Yeah, my point of view is (laughs) Yerimina. Yerimina is a big player, uh, even uh, the Senegalese side. They know him very, very well on the England side (laughs) uh, during the World Cup. They really respect him. Yerimina, Yerimina, I think it's the best side, you know.
0: Yeah, Mina certainly is an exciting signing. And Mohamed Touray, also in the Gambia, agrees, uh, saying the boy is good. He always did well for Colombia at the World Cup. And Jaturu Kalajula-Jobate in Libya agrees, saying yes, Mina had a great World Cup. Uh, Meanwhile, in the Gambia, and uh, Cherno Jallo says, Riyad Mahrez at Man City is the best signing for me in this transfer window. And Mamor Jan, also in the Gambia, agrees. And yes, as we discussed before on the show, it's going to be interesting to see just how much game time Mares can get at the Etihad. The 2015-2016 English Premier League Players Player of the Year started in City's opener at Arsenal last weekend, but was replaced by Kevin De Bruyne midway through the second half. And finally, Modu Sinien, the Gambia, says Shakiri is, for me, the best signing at Liverpool. And Shakiri had a great World Cup with Switzerland, but is another who may struggle for game time following his transfer from relegated Stoke. He started on the bench in Liverpool's 4-0 season-opening win against West Ham, coming on for Sadio Mane with just eight minutes left. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Uh, so the English Premier League transfer window has closed, but uh, leagues elsewhere in Europe and elsewhere around the world are still open to the end of the month. And a notable transfer is former Cameroon captain Samuel Eto, who signed for Qatar Sports Club. Eto'o is now 37 and moves from Turkish club Konyaspor by mutual consent. He'll join the likes of Xavi and Wesley Schneider in the Qatari League. Well, now our European football expert, Stuart Weir, joins us from the UK. Uh, Stuart, what did you make of this transfer window?
2: Well, Steve, it's actually been quite a short transfer window with, first of all, the World Cup dominating everything and then the Premier League decision to close the window before the season starts. The busiest club has been Brighton, with 16 new players coming in and 20 leaving. Compare that with Tottenham who have got no new players and only two have left. West Ham, who struggled last year, have 10 new players. And incredibly, Chelsea have 26 players exiting, mainly on loan. I think if you picked one club, you'd have to say that Liverpool have done best. They've only signed four new players, but they're all outstanding players. That's Fabinho from Monaco, Nabi Keita from Leipzig, Shaqiri from Stoke City, and Allison Becker, the former Roma goalkeeper. I suppose if you want to pick out one player who's made the biggest impact, it would be Ricarlison, who went from Watford to Everton and scored two goals the first time he played. May not be able to keep that up throughout the season. Now, I've been fascinated by the comments on social media, and the consensus seems to be that Allison the Liverpool goalkeeper, is the best signing. And certainly for the last two or three years, Liverpool have not had a quality goalkeeper. Interesting that Yusufa and Lamin in the Gambia opt for Kepa, the new Chelsea goalkeeper. But I think the major difference between Kepa and Alisson is that Alisson will most definitely improve Liverpool. But Kepa, don't forget, is replacing Courtois. And he'll have to go some, even to be as good as Courtois. Osman and Mohamed in the Gambia and Jutura in Libya have suggested Mina joining Everton from Barcelona as the buy of the window. Now, I agree that he looked really good in the World Cup, But, you know, there have been players in the past who've done well in one World Cup and then not been able to sustain it. And, of course, the reason that Mina is available is because he can't get in the Barcelona team. He only played four games for Barcelona first team last year. And he's no experience really of playing in Europe, let alone the Premier League. So I'll be interested to see how well he does.
0: Well, that's a bit of a reality check there then, so we can only see how Yeri Mina does in England. And uh, Stuart, uh, heading the African moves on deadline day was Cameroon midfielder Andre Frank Anguisa in a move to
2: Fulham for around $40 million. Yes, Anguisa is 22. He played 11 times for Cameroon. He's been at Marseille for the last four seasons, but he played 79 games, but 33 of those off the bench. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly he adjusts at Fulham. But there's another Fulham player I'm really interested in. That's Jean-Michel Serry, who's a 27-year-old who's just come from Nice, where he's been for the last three years. Now, he came off the bench in Fulham's defeat at Crystal Palace. And that's just another indication that new players take a while to settle in. Jordan Ayub has joined Crystal Palace from Swansea City. Now, he's played over 100 Premier League games for Swansea and Aston Villa, but his strike rate is one goal in six games, which really isn't quite good enough, and Palace will be wanting more from him. Incidentally, his brother Andre is now at Fenerbahce in Turkey. But I suppose the good news for Palace is that their Ivorian striker, Wilfred Saha, is still with them, not being tempted away to a bigger club. And uh, he's already got his first goal of the season. Another player at Palace have signed who I think is a really good buy is Chico Kouati, the Senegal player from West Ham. Now, I always thought he was outstanding in the West Ham midfield and he'd bring some strength to Palace. And Leicester have signed Rakit Gezel from Monaco. He's an Algerian international, although he was born in France. He's 26 and has been at Lyon for eight seasons, 87 league appearances and half of those off the bench. He was at Monaco last year where he played in the first team most of the season. But again, often coming off the bench. So in nine seasons in the French League, he's never really established himself. Will he do that at Leicester? Time will tell. He came off the bench for Leicester against Manchester United and played the last half hour. But, you know, I don't see these players we just mentioned as people who are going to have sensational opening seasons and transform their clubs. They're all good squad players but it remains to be seen how well they will fit in and how quickly.
0: So we'll see how Rashid Gazal, the Algerian, does there at Leicester. Great for Wilfred Zahar that he's got a new five-year contract with Crystal Palace. Uh, So, Stuart, an exciting start to the new English Premier League season, and this weekend's big game sees Chelsea playing Arsenal on Sunday and differing starts for the
2: two teams. Well, Steve, you can imagine the Arsenal management when the... Fixtures computer comes up with their games. First game at home to Manchester City, second away to Chelsea. I think they were hoping for Brighton and Huddersfield. Um, Arsenal were well beaten by Manchester City and incidentally, I thought Riyad Mahrez looked great and that he and Raheem Sterling brought real wits to the Manchester City attack. Chelsea won 3-0 at Huddersfield. But I don't know how much that tells us as Huddersfield looked a poor side and many are already seeing them as relegation favourites. Liverpool go to Crystal Palace and didn't Liverpool hit the ground running with Sadio Mane scoring twice and Mo Salah once? And the fourth goal that Liverpool scored was just after they were awarded a corner and immediately put on Daniel Sturridge as a substitute and he just about got to the far post in time to score. He must have been on for fully five seconds. Liverpool look good, but well West Ham, with new manager and 10 new players, still look a struggling team. They're at home to Bournemouth, and Manuel Pellegrini, who of course won the league at Banister City, will be hoping for a better performance from his players than he got last week. Crystal Palace started with a win at Fulham with two African goals. Wilfred Saha and Geoffrey Slupp from Ghana, who scored his first goal in 40 appearances for Palace. Finally, Manchester United looked good in beating Leicester, and they now go to Brighton. Fulham and Cardiff both lost. Wolves drew, confirming that it could be a long, old fight for the three promoted clubs to avoid relegation.
0: Indeed. Uh, And Stuart, I was very interested to discover that newly promoted
2: Wolves have an Africa-born manager. Yes, Steve, the Wolves' manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, which incidentally means Holy Spirit, uh, was born in Samtawi, Principe. He was a goalkeeper. He played club football in Spain, Portugal and Russia, but he was often the second goalkeeper at the club. He did get selected from the Spanish squad that became European champions in 2008, but he never actually got an appearance for Spain. Now, as a coach, he had one year at Valencia, then one year at Porto. He's now in his second year at Wolves, having led them to promotion in his first season. So he's done pretty well. But he was a strange choice when he was appointed, uh, never having worked in the Premier League or in England, and really with only those two seasons uh, at elite coaching. He has had a busy transfer window with 15 players coming in and 23 leaving. But as we said before, the promoted clubs are under a lot of pressure. And whether they survive remains to be seen.
0: Yes, and uh, Wolves put up a determined performance in their 2-2 draw with Everton uh, in their opening game. And uh, Stuart, what else uh, has caught your eye there?
2: Steve, I have a fantastic statistic for you. In the first weekend, which was the club with most English players? Well, it was Cardiff City, whose English players were in the pitch for a combined total of 568 minutes. Compare that with Arsenal who only had one English player, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and he only lasted 35 minutes. So, Cardiff City 568 playing minutes, Arsenal 35. The first goal of the season was scored by a Frenchman against Leicester. That was Paul Pogba for Manchester United. And last season, would you believe, the first goal of the season was scored by Lacazette for Arsenal against Leicester apparently Leicester have asked the Premier League if they can have a game next season against a team with no French players Brighton lost 2-0 to Watford and this was the 11th time in their 20 Premier League away games that they've lost 2-0 Burnley drew 0-0 at Southampton and in their last 100 Premier League games Burnley have scored 93 goals so that's less than a goal a game but yet they finished well up the table last year Finally, Steve, do you ever wonder what coaches say to a player who's about to go on a substitute? Well, the TV cameras last weekend caught the Huddersfield coaches sending on a sub, and the first coach had several sheets of paper to show him. Then another coach came along with a laptop computer, and then the first one came back with a folder with papers in it. didn't seem to make any difference as Huddersfield lost 3-0. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Stuart. So that's it for the
0: show for this week. Chelsea-Arsenal on Sunday, the big game of the weekend in the English Premier League. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Shams in South Africa, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.